Our gracious and awesome Father, we want to thank you for giving us a beautiful day to come and worship you. God, I looked at the forecast for this week, and I was excited, uh, just excited that it's going to be sunny, excited that there's no snow in the forecast, and hopefully you can get out and have a prayer walk and, and just take in your creation. And God, I pray that you will help us. Uh, to appreciate that we are your most valued creation. And uh, Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to come before you and, and our brothers and sisters in Christ and share the word and just elevate you to uh, the place in our hearts and our minds where you belong and you only, God. Uh, let my words be yours. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to see everyone. Uh, yeah, I know, I know you're excited to be back in Harlem, right? They're like, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go to the Bronx. I'm tired of the Bronx. But, uh, last week, if you were with us last week, we talked about meditating on God's Word. We started a new series last week called Making Space for God. Let me see if I can come out here. I don't want to get, there's a big, I don't know if you guys know, there's like an orchestra pit around here somewhere, so if I drop to the floor, you know why. I think, let me try to get over here somewhere, all right, because that would be really crazy. All right, we started a new series called uh, Meditating, uh, you know, Meditating on God. We, we wanted to, to really inspire the church to make space for God. We learned that it doesn't happen naturally. Like if we really want to get connected to God, we got to make it happen. We got we to gotta make space, just like we make space in our closets for new clothes. We make space in our shoe rack for new shoes. I did that just a few weeks ago. I'm like, you know, I can't fit this anymore. I can't. I haven't worn this, and God knows how. This has still got a tag on it. So I'm trying to make space, you know, and then we, we always got space in our bank account, right? So we really want God. We got a whole lot of space. Some of us got more space than others. But amen for your sacrifice because, you know, God will bless that. But we're talking about making space in our lives for God. And that you have to be deliberate. And so we talked about meditating on God's word. We talked about how, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't just jump into our minds. We have to put it in there. And uh, our brother, uh, Dr. Ryan Irby, came and did a fantastic job with amen. meditating. And I loved, I, amen, give him, he did a fantastic job. I loved how he talked about the Bible. And he said that the Bible is not just meant to be read, it's meant to be absorbed. Just like a sponge. Our brain is like a sponge. We soak in so much information, even without us realizing you know, have you ever had a dream about something and you're like, why was I dreaming about that? And, you know, some scientists believe that a lot of our dreams come from what's buried in our subconscious, things you probably forgot, you even absorbed. Sometimes that stuff comes out in our dreams. And so we have to be very deliberate about putting God's word into that sponge that God has given us. And it's a fantastic sponge. We can put good things in. We can also put bad things in. So we got to be very deliberate about absorbing God's words, absorbing the truths. 
absorbing the, the promises of God, the blessings of God through his word. All right. And so today, the second part of our series. So last week we talked about meditating on God's word. Today, we're going to talk about meditating on God's creation. Now, I think God set us up this week for this one. Because today was beautiful, right? I mean, coming in, if you had a bad attitude coming to church today, you didn't stop to look at the, sun, at the sky. You didn't appreciate the fact that it was 23 degrees a few days ago, and I think we're knocking on the door of 60 today. You know, I mean, that's an awesome feeling when you get to walk out your door and, and wait for the bus or get on the train, and it's a beauty. It just changes your whole attitude, doesn't it? You know, I had somebody cut us off driving on the way here, but I didn't get upset because I'm like, it's a beautiful day outside, James. Let the Lord deal with that. Look how beautiful it is outside, right? And I'm like, I'm going to meditate. I'm not going to let Satan ruin this day for me. So meditate on God's creation. We got to make space for God. We got to make space in our heart, make space in our schedules to meditate on God's creation. You know, for those of us who live right here in Harlem, you may have to get away in order to do this. I know some of us are tired of going down the riverbank, but I'm telling you, on a beautiful day like this, it looks like a whole different, it looks like a totally different park, especially when you go and you stand out on that lookout and you just look at the Hudson and you look over at New Jersey and, and you just take it all in. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And so, we're going to talk about meditating on God's creation. Psalm 19, I love this psalm. This is, one of, this is my wife's favorite psalm, Psalm 19. It starts in verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Now, I thought about this. I thought, how could David possibly know all this information? And I think a lot of it just, just comes from him sitting and just looking up at the sky. And as far as his eye can see, there's nothing but sky. And so to his brain, the skies were everywhere, everywhere he went. The sky covered him. And so that's a truth that we can proclaim in the glory of God that, you know, the heavens testify that there is a great God, that there is a higher power who we know and we get to worship. You know, God shows us part of his glory through his creation. And the heavens indeed declare the glory of God. You know, when you look at the night sky. I mean, doesn't it tell you, doesn't it make you wonder? You know, when you look up at the stars and, you know, one of the things I loved about going to teen camp and preteen camp is, you know, we have these, they, they have these star-like devotionals and they take all the campers outside and, and, and I mean, it's amazing. You look at the sky and it's like someone just took a handful of sugar and just tossed it across the sky. And, and, you know, and that's a good thing. That's a great experience because in the city, sometimes these bright lights keeps us from seeing. But when they go away to camp, that's an experience I love. 
because they get to see some of God's amazing creation. You know, you don't have to go far to see a tree. In a few weeks, in a month or so, these trees are going to be blooming with leaves, flowers. Our allergies are going to go through the roof. But don't focus on that. You focus on the fact that that's a beautiful looking tree. I chew, but man, it looks good. Scratching your eyes out, digging your eyes, all the allergies, but the pollen and all that. But don't focus on that. Don't meditate on that. Meditate on the fact that this tree, which seemed dead a few months ago, is now blooming with life. A testament to God. The little creatures that move along, that you, you know, those little things. That's a, God created that. God made that thing, whatever it is crawling across your foot. But it changes our whole perspective. When we think about the vast sky and heavens above, on down to the very little things that we walk by every day and don't notice. That's God. You know, from the huge, like, an exploding star, right? I mean, it's amazing that there's a whole other world out there we, we, our eyes may never see. You know, from the, from the great, amazing galaxy that we're a part of to the smallest creature. From the ugly <laughs> to the cute. I'm sorry if that's your dog. If you, got, if you got that breed, I'm sorry. To the cute and cuddly. From the creatures that fly in the sky to the creatures that glide along the ocean's currents. All these things God created and should help us to get a better view of our Creator. You know, his wisdom, his power created the stars. God knew exactly how far to keep the star that we're most familiar with, the sun. In his infinite wisdom, his divine wisdom, he knew exactly how far to keep the sun away from the earth so that it could sustain life. So that when you and I go out on a hot summer day, we're not burned to a crisp. God in his wisdom knew exactly how far to keep the moon away from the earth so that the waves, did you guys know that the moon and the tide is directly connected? I mean, there's a reason that the, that the waves don't wipe us away. It's because God knew how far to keep the moon from the earth. The fact that the sun's gravitational pull doesn't pull us closer, threatening all life on earth, God did that. There's things going on outside our planet. We have no idea it's even happening. And God in his great wisdom wants us to look at that and be amazed that we, we serve such a creator. Meditating on God's creation should inspire awe in us and help us appreciate the great God that we serve. You know, David, at the end of Psalm 19, wrote, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, in other words, David would say, may my actions back up my words. 
See, David wasn't just daydreaming when he wrote this song. David wanted his meditation of God's creation to lead him to a deeper appreciation for God. He wanted what God made to inspire him to continue to live a pleasing life for God. He wanted God to know that I I see all that you've made. I appreciate all that you've done. And because of that, I want my life to be pleasing to you. I I want to be inspired to live my life in a way that pleases you. So what can meditating on God's creation do for us? Well, let's look at some of the other men in the Bible, the other people in the Bible. You know, Job spent a, a considerable amount of time meditating on God, especially in the midst of his suffering. I think this is a lesson for us when we're going through a hard time in the midst of our suffering. Instead of focusing and getting fixated and meditating on our our problems, which is worry, stop for a minute and meditate on what God has made and what God has done. Let's look here at Job 26, verse 7. It says, he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. How did he know that? He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon of the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom... He cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair, meaning he blew away the clouds. His hand pierced the gliding serpents, and these are but the outer fringes of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who can understand the thunder of his power? You know, what we get to see is on the outer fringes of what God can actually do. We go outside and we look at the star, we look at the sky, we look at creation, and that's just a whisper of what God has already made. When Elijah was on the mountain and he asked to see God's glory, God sent an earthquake. God sent thunder, but that's not how Elijah heard God. God came to him in a whisper. He couldn't contain God's glory. We'd be dead if God showed up. We can't contain God, and yet we try to wrap our minds around God. You see, who can understand God? We shouldn't spend and focus so much of our time on trying to fit God in the box and trying to understand, well, why did God do this? Why did God do that? Why are the dinosaurs? Why why are you focused on things that no longer exist? How is a dinosaur going to help you get into heaven? If you understood how he was made, how is that going to make you a better disciple? Is that going to really make you a true believer if you knew where the dinosaurs came from? 
Even if you did, it's still on the outer fringes of what God can do. One question answered is just going to lead to another question. Because you cannot contain God. And that's the point. Is Job was trying to help his friends to see. He's like, look, you guys are trying to explain stuff to me. I'm trying to help you to see that you can't explain God. God is too complex. You know, I think sometimes we think our problems are more complex. And Job was saying all this while he was going through a trying time in his life. And he points out that although God's greatness is visible to man, he's just about the outer fringes. Faint whisper of it. Meditating on God's creation reminds us that since we cannot hope to comprehend him, but only catch a glimpse of him, God must be complex. And therefore, creation is full of complex designs. But guess what? Your problems are not one of them. You design the problems in your mind. We decide how complex a problem is. In God's mind, that's not complex. You know what's complex? The central nervous system. Can you explain that to me? We'll say, well, God, this relationship I'm in is complex. That's not complex. You know what's complex? Gravity. You're like, well, God, you know, my, my job situation is complex. That's not complex. You know what's complex? Life surviving miles beneath the sea where no light can reach, but there's still life. That's complex. And guess who made that? I did. So when we start talking about our problems, compare your problems to what God has created and then change your perspective. Because your problems are not complex compared to what God has already done. Your problems are not the most complex thing God has ever seen. I'm here to tell you. And I know some of us got some major problems. But that should inspire you to hand them over to God. When you think about all that, you say, God, you know, you did this. You created this. You're sustaining this. Then I know you can handle this. And you give it to the creator who can create solutions for your problems. When God created animals, there was a problem. They need to eat. So you know what? I need to create a solution for that problem. And did God not do that? Every problem you had, God can create a solution for it. That's what meditating on creation helps us to see. Isaiah shows us that God cares about the details of our lives. Isaiah 40, verse 25 to 26, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? God is telling them, who? Look at that. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. We got a hard time keeping up with our kids. 
Sometimes I had an aunt who always forgot my name. And I'm thinking, man, didn't I just tell you my name the last time I saw you? Always forgetting my name. And she's my, she's my aunt. I'm like, you know, I hurt. I feel you. <laughs> you remember everybody else's name, but you forget my name. I mean, we don't like it when people forget things about our birthdays. Don't forget your wife's anniversary. Don't forget your anniversary. Oh, it's around the summertime. Don't forget that stuff. Don't forget those little details. But God, you know, scientists and astrologers estimate that there's between 400 to a trillion stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone. And those are just estimates because there's no way these guys can count every single star. 400 to a trillion. You can't even wrap your mind around that number. God knows them each by name. Each star has a name. God gave each star a name. And then who, who was it that said that he even knows each hair on your head is numbered? You see, Raul, in my situation, that's a simple one. We ain't got nothing on our head, right? So we kept it easy for God. But for those of you who got all that long flowing hair and the locks and all that stuff, God knows how many hairs you have on your head. That's how much he cares about the details of your life. Who in your life loves you enough to care about how much hair you got on your head? I love my wife to death. I'll do almost anything for her. But I am not going to sit down and count every follicle on her precious little head. I love you, baby, but that's where I draw the line. I know some brothers that tried and attempted to try to show up all the other brothers and, bro, I know how much. No, you don't. No, you don't. I know how much hair my baby got on her head. No, you don't. Stop lying. But God does. God knows each star by name. That tells me that God does care about those little details in my life that I sometimes wonder if he even notices. I mean, if God can care about a star, which has nothing to do with me, then why would, I, why would I assume that God wouldn't care about me? And the Bible tells us, and I remember reading it somewhere, that we are his prized possession. We are precious to God. He created everything, but we, you and I, are most precious. Jesus didn't come to die for the stars. Jesus didn't even come to die for the trees. Like some people have chained themselves up to a tree to save a forest. But they won't do it for their fellow man. Jesus came to die for us. Because that's how much we mean to God. And so if God cares about us, then God cares about every detail in your life. God cares about that boss that you have. God cares about the school situation your kids are in. God does care about the prices of metro cars and whether you'll be able to afford to go to work or not. 
God does care about medical expenses and whether or not we have proper health care so when we're sick, we can afford to go. God cares about all those things that we sometimes wonder, does God even notice? God does care. We just got to trust him. And when we meditate on things like that, man, if you know the name of the stars, then God has got to know what's going on in my life. And then lastly, meditating on God and his creation should help us to focus on the most important thing, which is the creator himself. In Romans chapter 1, Romans 1 verse 18, and we'll read through the verse 25, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. God didn't make that part of mystery. Because God has made it plain for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been cleanly seen being understood from what has been made. God's creation has a part in making God known to the rest of the world because God has made it plain to them. Well, I'm sorry. Being understood from what has been made so that men are what? Without excuse. In other words, you can't go to a park and say there is no God. You can't go on vacation to the beach and get in the water and be like, there ain't no God. Because the very creation testifies for God. It witnesses for God. What God created shares its faith that God exists. It's proof. It's evidence that there is a God. The next verse says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You know, here Paul's talking about how God used natural revelation. Remember that? When we were doing our training for service, how God's word, you know, we have the special revelation, which is God through his word and through the spirit. And then we have natural revelation, which is God's creation, which God uses to testify about his, his, his existence. But instead of giving the credit to God, instead of worshiping God, and here's the danger where it comes when we focus too much on creation. We start to worship the created things rather than the creator. And we see that through many different religions. We see that through many different uh, 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 heritage and, and, and different uh, 
you know, people that, 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 that even, even today, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, indigenous people who once, who once lived in America and, and some who, even in, in different parts of the world, worship created things. They have many gods. They have a god for every part of creation, a sun god, a moon god, a nature god, a fertility god. We see that through the scriptures, the Philistines. They had a god for everything that was created. And they were missing the truth. And God was making it clear to them through the Israelites that there was one God. Even while they were in Egypt, the Israelites were exposed to Egypt's many gods. They had goddesses and, you know, goddesses of fertility. You know, even Mother Nature, that whole term is a Greco-Roman term that, 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 that speaks of nature, speaks of the created thing, named after a Greek-Roman goddess. They're giving credit to nature. They're replacing the truth with the lie. We can't get so fixated on the created thing that we forget the creator. You know, instead of worshiping God, the creator, men worshiped the creator. And we see so many examples because men even begin to worship ourselves. And we see it more and more today. We worship, we worship our wealth. This is the flaunt your wealth challenge. Swept Instagram last year. You have a bunch of wealthy people. It all started with a, D, a Russian DJ who took a selfie of himself falling out of his private jet. And then it started to circulate over Instagram. And so a bunch of wealthy kids in China and, and throughout America started taking pictures of themselves and they called it Fallen Stars. And they were taking pictures of them in different positions of falling out of their luxury and, and all their luxurious items spread out all I thought about doing the same thing, but I'm like, mine would basically look like me, you know, it, it wouldn't look right me a bunch of nickels and stuff. So that, that wouldn't be as, as flaunting. But that's what it is about. Boasting about what we have. Worshipping our wealth. Our power, our influence, our prestige. How about the appearance? You got to have the right features. And we worship it. Our young girls beating themselves up to look like the right, have the right lips and the right eyes and the right shaped nose and the eyebrows have to look right and their, their face have to have the right features. And otherwise, if they don't, they don't feel anybody will love them. And no matter how many times their mother and their father say, I love you, you're beautiful, they say, no, 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 you're supposed to say that because you're my parents. But that's not what the world thinks is beautiful. I have to look like that. I have to weigh this. I have to dress like that. And they're exchanging the truth for a lie. Anything God made, even that ugly little dog, is beautiful because God made it. Now, you may not be happy with your appearance. 
You may not be satisfied with your weight, but does that mean God doesn't love you because you put on an extra few pounds? Does that mean God doesn't love you because you lost some of those follicles? He, he, all right, we got a few hundred left, you know, less than you had last year. Does that mean God doesn't love you because you don't wear Louis Vuitton? Because you don't got a pair of Jimmy Choo's in your closet? Does that mean God does not think that you're worth anything? That you're invisible because you don't look like the status quo? Because your education isn't from an Ivy League school? Does that mean that you're less important to God because you didn't finish school? We got to start believing the truth. We got to meditate on the truth. On the truth. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, there was nothing attractive about him. Wrap your mind around that. I think with our mind, we think Jesus was gorgeous. Sisters were like, man, I wish I could have married Jesus. You probably, Jesus probably walked in the church sat right next to you, and you'd be like, who this man sitting next to me? <laughs> Looking around for security, like Daryl, bro. Security? Looking around like... I think, look, the Bible goes out of its way to describe some people. Said that David was what? Ruddy and handsome. Didn't it? It said that Saul stood a, above everyone else. He ain't say nothing about Jesus. I think that's for a reason. I think God didn't want us to fall in love with his appearance. They say that they followed him because of how he looked. They followed Jesus because of who he was. Focus on that. We worship the talented. These poor little girls, Justin Bieber just entered the building. And they're crying, <laughs> We even worship our inventions. Man, we can't wait to get a Tesla. I want to go to space. It's all good. And, you know, God gave us all these things. God gave us beauty, not to flaunt and make everybody else seem lesser than. Bible warns against being conceited. Tells us to associate with people. I think there's a reason God didn't make everybody look appealing to the eyes. So that we can learn to love the way he loves. You know, every beautiful person has something ugly about them that needs to be loved. God gave us a mind to create things, to invent things, not so that we can take the credit, but so we can give God the glory. Look at the brain that God gave me that I was able to invent a way to leave this planet and explore another planet. Give that glory to who it belongs to. Don't take all the credit for yourselves. The gifts, the talents that God gave us. David used his talents. He used his gifts. He got to perform before kings. 
because he worshiped the true king first. See, God gave us these created things not to be replaced by them, but so that they can point us to him and not draw us away from him. And lastly, in Psalm 139, I think David says it best. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You know, David gave his, he gave the credit to God. I like how the message version says it. It says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing to into something. David gives credit to God. Count how many times he said, you, you, your hands, you, because of you, I am wonderfully made. You know, most of us harbor dissatisfaction with who God made us to be. I battle those insecurities all the time. God, why couldn't I have been more, more disciplined? Why couldn't I have had a more happier personality? And we get dissatisfied with how God made us. God made you exactly how he wants you. On down to your foot size, your head shape, your nose. The size of your ears, God made you exactly the way he envisioned you. You are wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. God enjoyed every second as he was forming you in your mother's womb. He was looking back at his masterpiece and thinking, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. I just hope they appreciate what I've done. You may look in the mirror and say, I don't like this. I don't like how I feel. And look, we all go through that. But that's why you need to step back and stop focusing on the negative and start meditating on the fact that you are wonderfully made and that God's hands crafted you, sculpted you, molded you, and made you exactly the way. How come I don't have a voice like, so what? Close your eyes and imagine you got the voice like so-and-so. You go in your bathroom and you sing like whoever you want. You know how many times I had dreams of jumping from the foul line like Michael Jordan? I'll never be able to do it, but God gave me a mind where I can imagine. And that's just as good because then I'm going to have to deal with all the injuries and, and all that stuff. I can jump from the foul line as many times as I want. I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever. God gave us an amazing mind. God gave us an amazing body. You need to appreciate who you are. 
and stop focusing on the, on the things that, that really doesn't even matter to God. God thinks you're special. And that's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get a new body anyway. So you might as well be grateful with what you got now. You know, God as creator also means that we recognize that we were made for him. You know, you think about this. You know, I thought about if I was painting a picture, and in my mind I, I got all the angles and the shading and, you know, the colors right, and, and I just t- took a step back and just looked at it and said, wow, I like that. You know, I would get the credit as the artist who produced that painting. Just as God should get the credit as the artist who designed us. God made you for himself. You belong to him. You're precious to him. And when you meditate on what he's done, let that sink into your heart. That God made me for a special purpose. For a special reason. You know, David wasn't full of himself when he wrote this. David was full of God. You shaped me. You formed me. Yeah, we say, you know, you got to also remember, guys, we are in a fallen world. And a lot of who we are today has been shaped by a lot of sin that was done to us and around us. And God takes notice of all that. God understands all that. But he doesn't want us to meditate on that. He wants us to meditate on the fact that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God's creation reveals a God of might, intelligence, intricate detail, order, beauty, power. God controls powerful forces that you and I can't even understand. But when we meditate on the creator, through his creation, it will remind you that our promises are not too complex for God. There is, not some, there is not a problem in your life that God cannot fix or create a solution to. God cares about the details of your life. God, you matter to God. You matter to God. And meditating on creation should remind us of who God is and that we were made for him, by him. Because God is our creator. He can create new beginnings. He can create new opportunities. He can create new, a new heart, a new spirit, and a new mind. We were made by God for God. And we need to meditate on that. We're God's greatest creation. And God wants us to walk with that confidence in our hearts. Let's take some time this week. Spend 15 minutes. It's going to be a beautiful week. We can take 15 minutes and look at a tree, stare at a leaf. Look at a bug that goes by. We don't got to go too far for that. Right? Look at the birds. Go down the riverbank. Go down to Central Park. Wherever you got to go to get around some, some life. But just get out of, your, get out of your, concrete, your concrete box and get connected with God's creation. Better yet, do it with somebody. Compare notes. Point out the different things each of you see and get your kids involved. Let them appreciate God's creation. Amen?
To God be the glory.